Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be back at New Spring. It's always great to be here, and especially with this cool spell. I'm, uh, I'm from Dallas. They tell us in Dallas not to get out of the house until after 11 o'clock October 1st. Uh, it's, uh, you can actually go out to your garden and get a baked potato right out of your garden. It's, uh, saw a dog chasing a rabbit, and they're both walking. It's just hot, you understand? My wife cooked me lasagna, and she said, go out to the mailbox and get it. She just cooked it in the mailbox, so it's, uh, it's hot, isn't it? But it's cool here, man. Just appreciate it. Be grateful for that. I do speak around the country. I uh, speak to companies sometimes, and they have, a, they have a golf tournament, and they know I'm a golfer, so they invite me to come and uh, play with maybe the president of the company or vice president of the company, and the vice president is just awful. I mean... I've seen better swings on condemned playgrounds. I mean, he's just awful. And uh, he swings at it a couple of times and he doesn't even hit the ball. And, and uh, I'm an encouraging guy, so I'll say, don't quit now, you got a no-hitter going. I mean, you know, just kind of encouraging a little bit. But then he gets mad and he just starts hollering and veins start popping out, throwing his club down and saying bad words, getting all angry. And, and the president will say something like this, you're a psychologist, why don't you help this guy. He's got anger issues. He's got, he got emotional problems. Can, can you help him? I said, you know what would really help this guy? He said, what? I said, a golf lesson. That's what would really help this guy. He doesn't have emotional problems. He's got great emotions. I've seen every one of them. He got golf problems. All around America, they're always saying, people got emotional problems. They don't have emotional problems. They got living problems. If I lived like they did, I'd be depressed too. I mean, uh, so we got to work at not the emotion part of it. You can't feel your way into bitter, better emotions. You got to act your way into better emotions. So we're going to help you a little bit today. First of all, well, let me just give you some free therapy right off the bat. How's that? Just give free therapy. Uh, it's going to be group therapy. You can't afford me individually probably, but it's going to be free. So you got to participate or it won't work. So put your hand over your heart, all right? I'm going to lead you in a little pledge, so repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, do hereby acknowledge that I have not, nor have I ever, nor will I ever, control the universe. Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Don't you feel better already? He's God, you're not. Get over it, all right? Get over it. Some of you, well, most of you probably, most of your stress, most of your frustration comes from you're trying to straighten out somebody else. Yeah, they already just came to mind, didn't they? Yeah? If I could just get that person to do If that's your goal in life, to straighten out somebody else, the only person you can be is a mortician. That's the only guy that can straighten people out. 
and they'll stay straight. Otherwise, you've got to get up every morning and re-straighten them again, you see. But we're going to try to help you today understand how to have a great life. You know, we want to claim God's principles for eternal life, but many of us don't practice his principles for a great life. Interesting story in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Let me just read this one verse to you. And in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. Interesting story in the Old Testament. We can learn a lot from the Old Testament. Now, don't live in the Old Testament. You live in the New Testament, okay? You learn from the Old Testament. The Old Testament story about a group of people, uh, young guys actually, very sharp guys, were in a different culture. And this culture did not serve God. They did, they did not acknowledge God. They did not serve the God of Daniel. They served another God. And Daniel, being a very winsome personality, and don't you wish Christians had winsome personalities, uh, he said this, hey, look, I know you got your God, and I know you serve him, and you think that's the way to live your life. But see, I have another God, and I think he's the one true God. And why don't we just put it through a scientific test? Why don't you do your thing for your God, what he tells you to do, and let me do my thing for my God. And at the end, let's just see which life works. The Bible says Daniel's group was 10 times better. I've probably preached in five, 600 churches over the years. And let me tell you about you, church people. <laughs> You know a lot about the Bible. You got knowledge. You got, man, I got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got that all down. You got knowledge. You probably have 10 times more knowledge than those people out there. But let me ask you about your life. Is your life 10 times better? Is your marriage 10 times better? Are you 10 times better at work? Are you 10 times better with your kids? See, the, the church is going to grow not by promotion, not what we tell people we are. It's going to grow by attraction, what they see in us that they'd like to have in themselves. And so we have this upward call as Christians, but the problem is this. We have a downward drift because we all live in what I call your Adam suit. If you're a female, you might want to call it your Eve suit. And this body will never actually totally be redeemed. God's got to kill you to get you into heaven. It's not going to totally redeem your body. One day you'll get a new body. I'm a preacher's kid. I can remember on Sunday nights, the women would sing and the men would sing. And it's pretty funny one Sunday night, the women saying, we'll get a new body, we'll get a new body. And the men saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> well, one day you'll get a new body, praise the Lord. But until then... You have this Adam suit, and this body does not want to act better. It wants to feel better. It does not want to plan. It wants a pill. It does not want education. It wants medication. That's me, and that's you. And until God kills it to get you into heaven, that's what you have to deal with. Apostle Paul, greatest Christian that ever lived probably. You know what he said about his Adam suit? The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I'd really like to do, I can't seem to pull off. That's not a teenager. That's the greatest Christian that ever lived. What does that mean for us? That means you're in deep trouble. That's what that means. <laughs> Let me just ask you, let's just get honest here. Uh, how many of you ever done something 
you knew you weren't supposed to do? Just raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> By the way, don't you wish liar, liar, pants on fire was really true? I mean, wouldn't that th make those political ads a lot more entertaining, you know, if that was really true? Uh, but the, the, see, we, we all have this Adam suit that we have to learn to deal with, and it will keep you from the life God had in mind when he created you. Matter of fact, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see a phrase called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that phrase? It's supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau was the firstborn, and in those days, the firstborn got all the inheritance. They got all the, the good stuff. But one day, Esau couldn't control his Adam suit, and he wanted to feel better. He wanted some stew, and his brother says, you can't have it unless you give me your birthright. He said, I gotta have it, I gotta have it right now. And he took it, and he lost his birthright. Your Adam suit will keep you from being the person God had in mind and accomplishing the things God had for you when he created you. So how do we thrive? How do we make this Adam suit do what it does not want to do? Well, just take that word thrive, T stands for thinking. The Bible says you always have to renew your mind because the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world is always telling you, you can have this without that. And you can for a short period of time. Unfortunately, the that always shows up. And usually by the time the that shows up, you're addicted to the this and you're in a mess, you see. It's a Ponzi scheme. Or the world says something like this, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Life's not like a box of chocolates. You know what the Bible says? Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You tell me what you're doing, I'll tell you how it's gonna turn out. Not in the short term, but in the long term. Because the Bible says the world doesn't respond to your need, it responds to your seed. What you put in eventually is what it's going to come out. So you have to constantly change your thinking because your emotions come from your thinking. If it rains, the farmers are happy. The golfers are sad. It's the same rain, but they're thinking different thoughts about the rain. And that's the way it is with your thinking. You have to constantly renew your mind to think God's way. H stands for habits. You are just a bunch of habits. That's what you are. Matter of fact, there's a wise man lived years ago. You probably know the name Aristotle. Smart guy, dead guy, but smart guy. Uh, <laughs> most of the smart guys are dead. You ever notice that? Because we think they're smart because they can't say dumb things anymore because they're dead, you know? So even you may be smart one day when you're dead. You don't say any more dumb things. So Aristotle, smart guy. Don't get me off on that, okay? Smart guy. He said this, you are what you repeatedly do Excellence, therefore, is not an event. Excellence is a habit. You see, you are just a bunch of habits. You don't even think about what you do most of the time. You came here, you got in that car, you buckled the seatbelt, you put it in drive. You didn't think about any of that. You came and you parked in a certain place, and you don't even think about that. Matter of fact, you come here, you usually park about the same place. You sit about the same place. You talk to the same people. You hear a general sermon about general things, and in general, you generally decide, I'm generally going to do generally better than what I generally did before I generally went in there. And generally, you go out there, and you don't do anything any different, do you? because you haven't changed any habits and they control you, you see. 
So you have to constantly renew your mind and then you have to decide, I'm gonna specifically change something because life isn't lived in general, it's lived very specifically. Matter of fact, I tell them in the business world, you'll never get terrific unless you get specific. And you know there's one habit you need to change to be the person that God had in mind when he created you. Deep down, you know it. And if you don't know it, your mate knows it. And if your mate doesn't know it, your kids know it. Somebody knows it, you understand? Let them tell you the truth. It may be your subordinate. By the way, truth rarely goes upward. It goes downward, but it rarely goes upward. Ask somebody that works for you, what's the habit that I could change to make it so much better around here? You see, that's the way you thrive. That's the way you grow. You change your habits. R stands for responsibility. Because we have this Adam suit, our tendency is to blame. We get it from the Adams family, Uncle Adam. Remember how it all started? They messed up because they wanted something they could not have. And then they got in trouble. Then God approached them. And of course, then they blamed. Adam said, it's the woman you gave me. That's the problem. The woman said, it's the snake. The snake didn't have a leg to stand on. So that's true. That's what happened. Uh, that's, that's your tendency. That's my tendency. Blame someone else. I saw some graffiti one time. It said Humpty Dumpty was pushed. It wasn't his fault. He was blamed. We, we live in a victim mentality. We're always blaming people for our problems. Back when I was practicing as a psychologist, I would have people come into me thinking they wanted to get better, but they wanted to come in and tell me that somebody else was their problem and they weren't even in the room. They wanted me to talk to somebody who wasn't even there. Sometimes they would start to tell me about the person. One day, I, I, I was, back in, when I was young, I was naive. I would actually believe what people told me, you know, what their problems was. You know, got ladies start telling me about her husband, what he did, what he said, how he acted, you know, when he did this and when he did that. And one day he locked her in the closet. I'm thinking, what a gorilla. I mean, where did she find this guy? Prison release program? What kind of guy is this, you know? And I got to meet with him the next morning because I'm doing marriage counseling. I don't want to meet with this gorilla. <laughs> he walks in, nicely dressed man, smiles, shakes my hand, starts telling me about her, what she did, what she said, what she called him. No wonder he locked her in a closet. Let's get it simple, folks. You take 100% responsibility for your problems, you got a 100% chance of solving your problems. You take 0% responsibility for your problems, you got a zero chance of solving your problems. Learn to take responsibility. I stands for invest in things that last. Invest in things that last. You say, well, how do you know what lasts? Pretty simple. You live life backwards. You go to the end of your life and you look back on your life. One day you're going to die, all right? Death runs in my family. I think it runs in yours, doesn't it? I mean, pretty much come in this world, no teeth, no hair, no bladder control. That's pretty much how you're going out, okay? You're gonna die. Uh, uh, don't get arrogant about life. It's a short trip from diapers to pens, I promise you. You know, you're gonna die. Now, what are they gonna do when you die? They're gonna have your funeral. They're gonna, they're gonna put you in a box. Pastor's gonna say some nice things about you. Your family's gonna go home and eat potato salad. That's what's gonna happen. You know, that, that's, that's what we do, you know. Uh, 
Now, how do you know what's important then? Well, there's a powerful business phrase. You know what they say in the business world? They say, learn to think outside the well, learn to think outside the box. You see, life's pretty much like Monopoly. Anybody remember Monopoly? Remember Boardwalk, Park Place? Man, those are the good ones, you know? And, and maybe, maybe you've had a great life. Maybe you're living on Park Place or, or Boardwalk or maybe not that good, but maybe Marvin Gardens. You know those yellow ones, those green ones? Those are pretty good. Remember Baltic on the corner? I mean, you didn't even want it, did you? I mean, it's like $63 or something. Baltic. Some of you living on boardwalk. Some of your life didn't turn out the way you thought, did it? It's pretty much a Baltic life. I'm here to encourage you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you live on boardwalk or Baltic. When it's all over, everything's going back in the box. Next generation, play with it or fight over it just like a Monopoly game. Well, what's important? Well, that's those things that don't go back in the box. Go to somebody's funeral. Watch what shows up. Take Yogi Bear's advice. Yogi said, if you don't go to their funeral, they probably won't come to yours. That's what Yogi said. (laughs) Take Yogi's advice. Go to somebody's funeral. Three things show up. Same three things show up everybody's funeral. You can go check it out, but I'll tell you what they are. Faith. Family, friends. That's pretty much it, my friend. Everything else goes back in the box. Decide to invest in things that last. Decide to invest in your faith, in your family, and your friends. V stands for value people. Relationships matter. Doesn't matter if you're president. I've worked with presidents. I've worked with billionaires. I've worked with all kinds of people. Doesn't matter how many houses you have, how many boats you have. If you're not happy in your relationships, especially at home, you're not a happy person. You're not a happy person. Relationships matter. And you have great relationships by focusing and valuing people as persons, not as just as performers. I'll give you an illustration of that. I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico for, for 10 years. and I love Mexican food, but after a while, you just go back to your roots and I wanted some southern cooking, you know, just fry everything. A good old cholesterol picnic, you know. You know South invented salad dressing because they couldn't figure out how to deep fry lettuce. So they said, let's just put stuff on it. That'd be good, you know. Uh, so at the time in Albuquerque, we didn't even have a Cracker Barrel. There were none there, you know. No southern cooking whatsoever. So we flew in Atlanta. We were going to the Smoky Mountains on vacation. I couldn't wait to stop by the Cracker Barrel getting my cholesterol picnic. <laughs> and we go to Cracker Barrel and we sit down and we have the worst waiter in existence. He is slow, so slow with the water. I say, are you our waiter? You've been gone so long, I thought maybe you'd grown a mustache and I wouldn't recognize you. <laughs> then he brings the drink orders and they're totally wrong. Every drink order is wrong. I'm thinking if fish is brain food, this kid's got to eat a whale. I mean, if, if, if an IQ test could come back negative, that's his. I mean, uh, uh. and I am getting more and more irritated. And my daughters, I have 
three daughters. Some of you heard my relationship conference. The only thing male in my house is a mailbox. And so uh, actually some days I'd go talk to the mailbox and say, mailbox, it's tough in there today. You know, uh, so I have three daughters. They're kicking me under the table, you know, act like a Christian. You know, they're kicking me under the table. You know, I, I'm on vacation, you know. I, So I just give up. I'm just going to pout. I got the worst waiter in existence, you know. But my girls, they're totally ignoring this young man's pitiful performance. They're treating him like he's a real person. They're talking to him. They're asking him questions. They found out this is his first job. I could have told them that, but... (laughs) Found out he's recently married. He's having a baby. His mother-in-law is coming to visit, live to help take care of the baby. He's stressed out about that. He's asking my teenage daughters who know nothing how to deal with his mother-in-law and they're telling him and he's taking that advice. I'm just sitting there watching. But he's becoming a good waiter before my very eyes. He's starting to smile. He's coming back quickly. He's getting things right. I'm watching that. And then it's as if God spoke to me. Now, when I say God spoke to me, I don't mean audibly. I I, I mean inside voice. I mean, if God lives on the inside, why would he go outside to talk to me? I I mean, that'd be like me trying to tell my girls something in the house. Now, girls, I'm going to tell you something really important. So I'm going to run outside the house, hollow in the window, see if you can hear me. (laughs) Makes no sense whatsoever. So if I mean God talked to me, it's on the inside, okay? So God on the inside voice says, are you watching this? He knew I was watching it. Yes, I'm watching this. That waiter that you treated so badly, your girls have turned him into a wonderful waiter. And you're the hotshot motivator psychologist guy, and they know nothing. How do you think they did that? Well, I'm sure you're going to tell me, God. And it's almost as if God said this. They did that because you selfishly wanted his performance. That's all you wanted from him. Just perform for you and do what you wanted. But they didn't care about his performance. They just looked at him as a person. And when you see people as people, they then perform in ways that they, you thought they couldn't. And when I speak to the business world, I put it this way. If you touch their heart, the task of their hands will change and it will be permanent because it's from the inside out. If you try to change the task of their hands from the outside in, it will be temporary depending on what the reward is for their behavior. I told that story at an automobile convention. About two months later, I get a call who guy, he's the president of a Mercedes-Benz uh, company. He said, I was in the audience when you told that corny Cracker Barrel story. I said, okay. He said, uh, I, President Mercedes, we have car washes for everybody. When, even when they get to car service, the car is washed. And we have a survey, and the car wash is rated from 1 to 10. And it's always a 10 because we do a perfect job. 
a few months, when I got back from your conference, I looked at the car wash surveys and there was a nine and there was an eight and I saw a seven. And the moment I saw that seven, I said, I'm gonna go fire the car wash guy. But then I couldn't get off that Cracker Barrel story. That psychologist guy said, I gotta look at his personhood instead of his performance. I gotta touch his heart and that will change the task of his hands. He said, I wanted to fire his rear. I didn't wanna touch his heart, but I couldn't get that story off my mind. So I said, I'm gonna have to walk down there. I'm gonna have to touch his heart. He said, I had to give myself a pep talk. Don't fire him, don't fire him. Don't bring up car wash, touch his heart, touch his heart. I got down there and I started talking to him like I was his friend. <laughs> Asked him about his family. I didn't even know he had a family. I started talking to him about stuff. He said, then I said this, how's it going down here at the car wash? He said, not good. He said, remember we had a meeting about a month ago and I told you the, the refrigerator handle was about to fall off? Well, it fell off and the refrigerator hadn't worked in three weeks. So we haven't had cold water down here. We got to walk all the way up to the office, which is about a half mile away. He thought, man, it's been 100 degrees. Man, you got to walk off. I am so sorry. I, I totally forgot about that. I will, if I can't get it fixed, I'll get you a new refrigerator. Any, anything else I can do for you? He said, well, yeah. Remember the same meeting? You're going to get us a microwave. Maybe we could have sandwiches down here and not have to walk all the way up the office. He said, man, I totally forgot about that too. I mean, I, I'll, get, I'll get that microwave for you. He said, I got him the microwave and we got the refrigerator. He said, I never brought up car wash. Next week, they're all tens. All tense. Why? Because he saw him as a person instead of a performance. Learn to touch their heart. I promise you the task of their hands will change. Learn to value people. And finally, enjoy the journey. Have some fun. Enjoy life. Have hot, you know, most Christians have what I call dog-tired Christianity. They just go around like this all the time. Get hot dog Christianity. This is fun. This, we've been totally forgiven. We have life eternal. Why, why aren't you smiling? Why aren't you having a good time? You say, well, it, it, it's life. It's, well, it, it, if it's not going now, just remember you win in the end. I mean, that, that, that's everything right there, you know. You... you You know what winning in the end does? It changes your attitude about everything. I, I, uh, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico from Dallas, Texas. Uh, everybody knew I was a, a big cowboy fan. They're actually going to be pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I go to pastor a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and... Uh, they know I'm a big cowboy fan. It's a big church like this. They got teleprompters and we're on TV and that kind of thing. And so there's a time change in Albuquerque. So when you're in Albuquerque at 11 o'clock, it's 12 o'clock in Dallas. So the 12 o'clock football game is already on. It's, it's already going on. So the, the, the teleprompter, the, the, the TV people thought, well, you know, let's, let's be good to our new pastor. You know, let him know we like him here. Let's just flash the score of the cowboy game just to keep up while he's preaching, you know. Uh, it wasn't a good idea. Uh, it, I would be preaching away, Matthew, 21 to 3? You know, uh, it, it, it just didn't work. It didn't work. So... So I came up with another plan. I said, look, I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna, and this is going to sound like the History Channel to some of you, but just listen, okay? In, in a galaxy far, far away, many years ago, they had what's called VHS tape players. And, you, and, and I had one in my office. And so I would come in early and put a tape in to record the game, do all the services, meet with visitors, go out, have a leisurely lunch with my wife, come by the church and pick up the video, go home and watch it on my big screen. Sounds like a great plan, wasn't it? <laughs> It never worked. It, it never worked. I'd always run into somebody at the church who'd already seen the game. And they would tell me the score. Hey, Cowboys won 30 to 20. Wasn't that great? Him had scored those two touchdowns. And I'm thinking, I have it in my hand. Some deacon. That's why Jesus went around healing, doing miracles, and casting out deacons. So uh, I am. Uh, so. That's my own baggage. I won't deal with that with y'all. But. Uh, but I was a big fan, so you know what I'd do? I'd go home and watch it anyway. And that's when I realized, what a huge difference in your attitude. I, I mean, Emmett would fumble, and I'd forget we won. Oh, Emmett, we pay you millions. Can't you? Oh, wait a minute, we won. It's no big deal. Just do better next time. <laughs> Here's what I discovered. When you know you win in the end, there's no big deals at all. There's no big deals at all. There's nothing to get upset about. There's nothing to get mean about, you see. Enjoy life because you win in the end. How do you thrive? Three things you need to remember. First of all, who you are. Second of all, why you're here. And then third, who's your partner. First of all, who you are. Know who you are. It was in the depression in the Depression, college tuition for a semester was $20. I can't, you can't believe that, can you? But it's $20 in the Depression. This poor family did not have $20. The son was academically gifted, made straight A's all through school, but he wasn't going to be able to go to college. The mom taught piano in her younger years, but she has arthritis and couldn't play anymore, and the piano was still in the living room, and every now and then she'd go in there and try to play but just really couldn't. But it was the showpiece of their house, this big piano sitting there. One day, the son comes home and dad meets him on the porch and says, son, this is the best day of our family's life. You are going to college. You're the first one ever in our family. You are going to college. And he said, oh, that's, I'm going to college? Great. Yeah, we got the money. You're going to college. And he walks in and he sees the piano gone. He said, no, wait, 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 where's, mom, where's mom's piano? Where's mom's piano? Well, son, that's it. We got, we got lots of money for the piano. We're going to get to pay for your college. We have the money. You're no, 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 we are not. No, you get that. We're getting that. We are not selling that piano. That's mom's most prized possession. And dad said, son, son, you don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. The piano is not your mom's most prized possession. You are your mom's most prized possession and you're going to college. Let me tell you, because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ, you are God's most prized possession. Don't ever forget who you are and don't forget why you're here. Say, well, why am I here? You're here to be his voice. You're here 
it, it, basically, it, we can get down to the bottom. You're here to be the voice of God, to hear his words. He's gone. He turned it over to us. It, it, it doesn't seem like a good plan. I mean, really. Uh, but it's the plan. You now will say his words. You, your voice should sound like his. There was a guy who had a son who was a great track, great track star. Ran just unbelievable. Going to get a college scholarship. Every high school, he never missed a track meet. He was always there hollering for his son, calling out his name, uh, cheering him on. It's the state finals. It's the last one. It's the big one. A little bit before that, he has an accident. Takes him to the hospital and he realizes he is not going to be able to go. He cannot make the track meet. He calls his brother who lives in the same town and says, look, here's the deal. I've never missed one. You've got to go. You've got to be there. You've got to be when he starts off. You've got to holler his name. You've got to scream this. And then just before the end, when he has to kick it, here's what you say. You call his name. You say this. And then he says this. And here's the key. You have to make your voice sound like mine. Wow. That's what it's all about. God said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and your voice has to sound like mine. I'm a preacher's kid. <laughs> That's why I became a psychologist. Uh, you know. <laughs> I grew up on the second pew. You know, we had no nursery. I slept on the second pew Sunday nights, you know. Uh, and I'd hear those old hymns. Some of them pitiful. But <laughs> There's one that I'd always have in my mind. And the phrase was this. Wonderful words of life. Beautiful words. Wonderful words. Wonderful words of life. Christ the blessed one gives to all. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Let me ask you, does your voice sound like his? Do you know who you are? Do you know why you're here? And if you do, and your voice sounds like his, then let me tell you who's your partner. Let me tell you who's your partner. Hope you meet my wife one day. She's always going to come. She knows Mary Alice and Mark pretty well. She wants to come, but she wants to be here when they're here. And, uh, Mark isn't here, so she didn't come this time. But my wife's different than me. She's, she has class. She has culture. Uh, she's actually tried to culture me up and class me up. That's kind of her goal in life. It's never really worked very well. But uh, she, she likes different things. You know, she, uh, she likes classical music, things like that. I, I, I don't get it. I said if that was really that good, they'd get some words to go with it. You know, I don't get that. But uh, she, she likes the opera. I, I don't really get the opera. I don't really want to go whether I need sleep or not. I mean, I just don't want to go. Uh, but I just don't get it. I mean, my neighborhood, you shot a guy, he died. He didn't bleed and sing for 20 minutes. He just died. You know, I don't get it, you know. Uh, she likes the ballet. She took ballet in high school. I don't get the ballet. I told her if they got taller men and women, they wouldn't have to stand on their tiptoes. Everybody could relax and have a lot more fun. I just don't get it. But, but, I, but I, you know, uh, 
I love my wife, and so I happened to be reading something one day about ballet. And it was a great story. Matter of fact, somebody gave a gazillion dollars to the New York City Ballet, and here's why they gave it. They wanted Barishnikov, the master dancer, to come to New York City to dance, and they'd give a gazillion dollars. And sure enough, you know, they, he came, you know, uh, and he showed up. And he said, look, I'm not going to do an individual dance. I'm going to select a partner from the local you know, company. And then in two weeks, we're going to do a duet together. And he picked a lady named Gail V. Kirkland. The, the, the guy writing the article said, this lady is the worst choice he could have made. I've been watching this group for years, and she's our weakest dancer. Matter of fact, she has no strong dance moves at all. She really has no personality. Wouldn't even come close to what we'd call charismatic. She, she's the worst choice he could have made. He writes that. Two weeks later, he's on the front row because he writes about such things. And the curtain opens and out comes Barishnikov and a lady. At first look, he says, that's not her. He read my article. He picked somebody else. But then he looked closer and says, well, Maybe it's her. And then he looked in the program. It's her, Gelby Kirkland. And he looked back and said, well, it is her, but she just looks so different. And then they started to dance. He couldn't believe it. This lady had strong dance moves. This lady had personality, even what we'd call charismatic. It was like unbelievable performance. And here's the sentence that got me. It was the last one. Here's what he said. I was blown away by the transformation that occurred in this lady's life when she partnered with the master. My friend, that's Christianity. That's the book. That's what we're about. People should be blown away by the transformation that occurs in your life when you partner with the master. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you that you're such a good God and thank you that you're our God because of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's someone here that's never trusted you as savior, give them the faith to believe today, not in an institution, but faith to believe that you came and lived a life that they could never live because of that Adam suit. And that you conquered death because you wanted them in your forever family. Give somebody the faith right now to pray to you that they're a sinner and they want you to be their savior. For the rest of us, let's decide that we're going to be your voice out there. And that we're going to be ten times better. That this church will grow by attraction as people want what we have. And we promise one day when it's all over, we'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.